Hello, Romantics! I'm Sarah Gomez, author, romance lover, and host. You're listening to Romancing the Story, a podcast centered around writing, reading, and story structure, all with a twist of romance. We're at episode 36, and on today's episode, I speak with another returning guest, empath and tarot reader, LJ Keys. We chat about how tarot works with writing, the hero's journey, and coming to a place of acceptance with every part of who you are. She even did a tarot reading for my characters in an upcoming novella and helped me nail down a solution for the exact issue I was having with my hero. Stick around until the end if you'd like to hear a small excerpt of LJ's book of poetry where she included a tarot card reading and based it on a series of cards that she kept receiving in her own personal readings. And if you get a chance to check it out, be sure to watch the YouTube video. It has some really cool visuals with the tarot cards that go along with the audio. Link to the YouTube video is in the episode description. So I mentioned a giveaway about a month ago after I hit 10,000 downloads, and I wanted you to be the first to know. You'll see a special giveaway post on Instagram where you can enter and I'll be giving away, drumroll please, a tarot card reading with LJ Keys. Whether you need a little guidance with character development or a plot structure, be sure to enter the giveaway for a 60-minute reading with LJ Keys and her intuitive talents. More details will be included on the Instagram post, so be sure to check there. And just to double the fun, I'm working with Emerald City Romance Writers to bring listeners a discount to the amazing Emerald City Writers Conference at the end of the month. The 33rd annual Emerald City Writers Conference is entirely online this year, so PJs are an option, and the conference is running from October 21st through the 23rd. Listeners will receive a $5 discount off a ticket if you use the PayPal link in the description of the episode and enter the code ROMANCETHESTORY in the notes at checkout. Whether you have several titles under your belt or are like me and just trying to get that first book out, there's something for everyone. The Emerald City Writers Conference has three three-hour masterclasses by best-selling authors on topics like writing emotional intimacy, writing rom-coms, and developing a full-time writing career on a part-time schedule. Plus, there's an opportunity to pitch to one of the guest editors or agents, an online charity auction, and more. You're sure to leave the conference informed about industry trends, armed with new skills, and inspired as an author. Featured speakers include USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author Robin Covington, executive editor of Hallmark Publishing Bryn Donovan, and USA Today bestselling author Farah Heron. Tickets are $125, but be sure to use the special link in the episode description along with the Romance the Story code and you'll get the $5 off. I'm so excited about the conference that I already have my ticket and I hope you can come too. With all that said, we'll jump right in. Welcome intuitive and tarot reader, LJ Keys. Hello! (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. So in case people don't know about you, can you kind of 
tell them just a little bit about you and your tarot reading? Sure. Um, So I started reading tarot um, a few years back and just kind of used it as um, a device for my own therapy sessions, for my own healing. And um, I really enjoyed it. And I think that there's a lot that goes into tarot. There's you know, the art behind it, there's psychology mixed in, um, <clears throat> you know, there's, of course, in the traditional Rider weight tarot deck, which is the one that we'll be using today, um, which is what I use for tarot for writers, just because it is the most well-known tarot deck. There's just, there's uh, so much that goes into each card and the meaning and different associations with archetypes and, you know, Carl Jung is involved, you know, like all these different things you can kind of connect. And it, it's all, it, it was all of interest to me prior. So um, it all just resonated with me. And I, I decided to continue down that route. And I love doing readings for people. And I also love doing tarot for writers. That's awesome. Because I know like there's a lot of tarot readers currently, but Mm -hmm. I hadn't quite seen one being utilized for writers in particular. I kind of heard a little little bit about it, but not uh, tarot readers offering that as a service. Absolutely. Well, and I do have to say, um, I can't take credit for the idea. I love the book Tarot for Writers by Corinne Kenner. I don't know that I pronounced that correctly, but I believe it's Corinne Kenner. We'll put that in the show notes or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, so it's a great book and has a ton more information for anyone that doesn't want to hire someone to help do a reading. Um, They can, you know, get that book and kind of get the gist of what it is that I'm doing in the session anyways. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if there, because I know there's a lot of people who had started reading tarot. Mm Mm-hmm you know, especially in the last couple of years and things like that. It's getting more, I I don't know if mainstream is the right word, but yeah, yeah, it's just more accepted, you know, like um, it's not something people, even just a few years back, there were more associations with uh, the devil or, you know, like Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of these negative connotations. The occult. Yeah, the occult. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of lessened a little bit. Not entirely. Um, People still have issues uh, with it. But um, for myself, I just, again, I, I don't. (laughs) I just enjoy it. Yeah. yeah, No, that's completely fair. I've always Mm -hmm. been interested in like, uh, tarot, just like the idea mm. of it. It's kind of just a tool, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Well, and you know, uh, there are so many different tarot decks mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, like I, I enjoyed the show Supernatural and I have a Supernatural tarot deck, uh, which is really quite epic. Um, mm-hmm. I have, um, you know, a, a deck that is based on folklore and fairy tales, uh, like literary folktale and fairy tales. And, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's a women in science deck that I have, um, that talks about, you know, just women through history that have made big discoveries and, you know, and it's a full deck. So it's, it's really, it's neat. It's pretty cool. Um, the different things that you can find out there and the different artwork and the different interpretations and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's a very rich world of uh, exploration, tarot. <laughs> it is. And like you said, it. I mean, I, I agree with you. I don't think mainstream is quite the right word. Mm-hmm. But with the 
uptick in interest, I think, with all of it. Yes, there's been like bukus of different types of tarot decks. I saw yes. a Golden Girls one. I know. I'm yes. still on the hunt for a Hello Kitty deck because that one is calling <laughs> my name. But I, I heard th- it was out of print. So oh. I am, I'm going to get it. It's on eBay. I'm going to oh, get it though. Oh, it's got to be there. You got to find it. I'm getting it. Yeah. It's as as I look at you in your Hello Kitty <laughs> shirt. And my Hello yes. Kitty aesthetic here. <laughs> so how long have you been reading tarot? And I know you started under a different name originally. I did. did. So um, I've only been reading tarot professionally for a few years now. Okay. Um, But I did start um, probably five, five or six years ago now. Nice. Um, Just kind of playing around with cards and I would do like an occasional reading for myself or, or just draw a card here and there and maybe like write a story about it or, you know, I, I used it as a tool for therapy, as I had said, mm-hmm. and um, also in my own personal writing, because so much of my writing has been influenced um, by my therapy sessions or has been a direct product of my therapy sessions, um, that kind of, you know, is all in the same realm to me. Um, I had used tarot for both of those things. Um, and so I I did. I, I started out as Circe Lyons. Um, because I had some qualms about people knowing that I read tarot. I come from a pretty traditional family and grew up very religious. And so in those circles, there is still some judgment maybe, um, around what tarot is and what you use it for and, you know, whether or not it's safe. (laughs) So I I was very concerned. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did start with a different name. But, you know, as you continue, as I have continued to grow and become more authentically myself, I've I've begun that process of incorporating all the different pieces of me into one existence. And um, I've really enjoyed that process. And that's awesome. Because I know that that is very hard sometimes for us to accept those pieces of us. It is. You know, it really is. So, yeah, like I, I love that you came to a uh, a place, a safe place, at mm-hmm. least where you can accept that piece of it and be mm-hmm. like, hey, it's part of it's part of me. Right. Right. And and just kind of and know that not all of me is for everyone. And yes. that's OK. You know, that that's that was a big lesson that I learned when I started uh, writing as well, that, you know, my writing is not for everyone. And I had to learn that lesson and be okay with that. And it's funny how much that um, has actually impacted me as a person as well to know that, you know, I, (laughs) me, I am not for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And that's okay. (laughs) Yes. I think I had said it in one of my earlier episodes, actually. And and that's something I actually heard reiterated in the writer's conference Mm -hmm. we were just at both together. Yes. Is that like. You cannot be everything to everyone. Right. And that's okay. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to be. Right. Because it's going to be, everyone's going to have their opinions. Everyone's mm-hmm. going to have their, you know, um, ideas. And what a boring world it would be if we were all photocopies of each other. Right. You know, I mean, I, I think that the the complexities of people is what makes the world awful and interesting. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> it is. It is a wonderful and weird place. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah, And exactly. we, we are okay with that. Yeah, exactly. That just makes it interesting. Um, I will say too, you mentioned you used the tarot for therapy and it made an appearance 
in your book. It did. Yes. In part two of my book, the, I don't think it's a spoiler because it's kind of, you know, everybody knows what (laughs) the progression of the book is. I've been pretty open about that. But um, in part two, the main character Echo meets uh, herself as an elderly woman. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is some sort of magic to this woman. And uh, I think it's just kind of a commentary on what I would like to encapsulate in my growth as Mm -hmm. a person. And so she does a tarot reading for younger Echo. And uh, it's really interesting. I I had a fun time picking out like what cards it would be um, that she would pull. And honestly, they were cards that I pulled a lot during the time that I was writing the book. Mm-hmm. It actually, it came from an actual reading that I had had. So, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it was very impactful. When you start drawing cards regularly, for me anyway, I see patterns emerge. And you'd think that's not possible because it's a deck of cards. Like however many times you're picking a card, you'd think it would be different. However many, you know, there's permutations of permutations and how, you know, what, <laughs> how many different collections of cards you could pull, but I would often pull the same cards over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so those, those three were particularly meaningful for me. That's what I've noticed whenever I uh, go to tarot readings or whenever I watch tarot readings, Mm -hmm. like that's become a very more prolific thing. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, especially like on YouTube and things like that. Um, You can find it on Twitch now too. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and um, TikTok. Yes. And People are offering that services on like uh, different platforms. I know like Patreon and things like that. Right. They're offering readings for their customers and or just the public at large. Yeah. And that's something I found a lot too. No matter, it can be a video from years ago. It could be a video that's current that ends up in my feed. But no matter what, I'll, I'll still see sometimes the same progression. Like you said, the same same specific cards yes. that just kind of stick out. And I'm just like, okay, there's something here mm-hmm. that's definitely resonating. And I think, you know, whether it's, I'm, I, the way that I read tarot, the way that I experience my spirituality is to acknowledge the fact that like, that could be, it's like when you see a yellow car or like when you're thinking about buying a car and you're like, Oh man, I'd like a yellow car. And then you see yellow cars everywhere. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it could absolutely be something like that. Um, and it could also be that maybe that, has a specific meaning for you at this moment in your life and, and you're meant to see it, you know? Um, so I think it's kind of a sixth of one half a dozen of the other where I kind of, I like to bring, you know, logic and reality Mm -hmm. into my experience of spirituality. And I think that tarot is a great way to do that because it, it does take such, um, concrete meanings of things and just allows you to extrapolate from there um, and kind of interpret what each of those things means for you personally. So, you know, you can have the same exact reading as another person and it's still going to mean something entirely different to you. Well, and it's such a it's such a creative way to go about our own creativity. Yes. Right. It's so true. Because there is it. Writing is very much that kind of marrying of, you know, almost like the creative spiritual side of us. <laughs> And the logic part of us. Yes. So why wouldn't tarot be another just piece of that? Oh, I love it. Yes. So it, it is for me, 
I'm with you of the same mindset of very much yeah. the little bit of both mm-hmm. spiritual and the logical kind of married together. Kind of bringing it in. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, and again, I just think that Tara is a great way to do that, to kind of marry the concrete with, you know, these other, you know, maybe the higher self or. Yeah, that kind of know. esoteric kind of exactly. type of thinking. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, and I I love that because yeah, that is to me, it goes hand in hand Mm -hmm. as a writer for any kind of creativity and like creative endeavor that you might be going down the path of. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Yes. So, and you actually use the, your tarot readings in as a framework, right? Within Mm -hmm. the hero's journey. I do. I do. So um, there's actually, I I do a presentation on this, which you know, because I did it at the writer's conference. We were just (laughs) together. Um, But I do a presentation, which basically walks uh, a person, walks the attendees through the hero's journey, which um, for those of you that aren't familiar, it's Joseph Campbell kind of took this into the sphere of writers. And it's basically stating that every single story goes along the same path. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a hero and they go on an adventure and there is a decisive crisis and then they win some sort of victory and then return home changed or transformed. Mm -hmm. And there are 12 steps in that journey. And I don't know how much we want to get into that now, but I could just very briefly touch on each of the steps. So yeah, so the first step is the ordinary world. So that is where everything is familiar. Um, I like to use The Matrix as an example because it's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> um, Great movie, so, Great right? Movie. Yes. So it's basically you know when we first meet Neo, um, he's a computer hacker by night and a corporate computer programmer named Thomas Anderson by day, living his life and it's kind of like blasé, you know? And then stage two is the call to adventure. And that's when the adventure begins, of course. So in The Matrix, that's when, um, you know, Neo sees this text on his computer screen telling the uh, him that if he wants to know more, he should follow the white rabbit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then someone suddenly knocks on his door and it's like a client... For his little side hacking business, they ask him to go clubbing <laughs> because what do you do? You know, when, when things are blase, you go clubbing. Of course. course. So then stage three is the refusal of the call. Mm-hmm. So Neo, of course, initially refuses to go, but then he sees the woman mm-hmm. with the client has a white rabbit tattoo mm-hmm. on her shoulder and how curious. And so then of course, Neo's like, well, I better get going. Yeah, so better he, follow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he continues and goes to the club and meets Trinity and there's, you know, progression of the story. Mm-hmm. Stage four is meeting the mentor. Um, so, of course, in The Matrix, that is Morpheus. Of course. Um, which is a fantastic character. Really fun. I, I like would love to write a paper on the movie The Matrix because <laughs> I love it so much. Talk about like character development and all of that kind of stuff. Like there's just so many really wonderful characters. Okay. There's so much symbolism too in that movie. Oh my gosh. Just amazing. So much. So then after uh, we meet the mentor, their step five is crossing the threshold. 
which means that the hero is now ready to act. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of been working towards something at this point. And in The Matrix, Neo is taken to Morpheus and Morpheus offers him the chance to choose between the truth and the matrix, you know, or he can just stay in his regular life and choose ignorance. Of course, it's that the blue pill or the red pill. Yes. That that very iconic scene. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And so of course, Neo chooses the truth and he takes Mm. the, the pill and is awakened to the real world, Mm. you know, And then stage six, there are 12 stages. So we're about halfway through now. So stage six is tests, allies, and enemies. So the hero is out of his comfort zone and confronted with ever more difficult challenges. So um, in the Matrix, again, Neo awakens and meets a crew, the crew of the Nebuchadnezzar, which is the ship. He's put through a bunch of actual training. Um, like physical training. So this part in the book can be, you know, you can actually see physical training happening in Mm. the movie. Um, Like take the Rocky movies, for example, you know, Rocky is actually doing his training, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's a part of the movie. This can also look though, like something less tangible. It can be, you know, an emotional situation or, you know, the circumstances kind of shift because of whatever story you're telling. But I, in this particular case, of course, it is a physical transformation. A physical transformation, yes. Ah. Um, so after seeing Neo's skill, Morpheus believes he is the one. Mm. Yes, the uh, savior of humanity, of course. <laughs> uh, stage seven, then, is the approach to the inmost cave. This is a very perilous location of possibly inner conflict, for the hero. Mm. Uh, so it's, you know, if you think about a cave, you're going underground, it's deep into something, you know, there's, there are certain movies that actually this, this point is an actual cave. And then there are also, you know, it can just be, again, something emotional. Someone is having to go into something deeper um, in order to get out the other side rather than, you know, shut those emotions down or something like that. Yeah. I, um, I think of it as that, that point where you're really vulnerable. Yes. Either, like you said, physically or emotionally or mentally, spiritually, yes. something. Yeah, exactly. And um, speaking of intuitives and things like that, Neo goes to see the Oracle at mm-hmm. this point in the movie. And um, she actually tells him that he is not the one, which I think is a really interesting moment. We all know from, you know, like we said, the movie's 20 years old. Neo is the one. And so it's interesting uh, how this can also translate to doing our tarot readings. um, Because tarot readings are going to tell you what you need to hear in that moment. And it might not be what you expect. It might not be what you want to hear. um, But whatever it is will allow you to move forward Mm -hmm. instead of staying stuck where you are. And so just like that, Neo is able to then move forward and make decisions based on this information. And he kind of has has this stress removed from him. So he's able to develop into his actual self, Mm -hmm. his higher self. Um, And the Oracle also tells him that he will have to choose um, between saving his own life or the life of Morpheus. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a huge thing. Now, stage eight is the ordeal. So this is a physical test or a deep inner crisis. It's kind of like the moment where the hero has to use all of the skills he's gained 
at one point, mm-hmm. you know, like throughout the everything that we've seen up till now, he has to use all of that skill set to kind of accomplish something huge. In the Matrix, this is when they're ambushed by agents and Morpheus sacrifices himself and Neo decides to sacrifice himself to save Morpheus. <laughs> and then he and Trinity go back in and it's a whole crazy ordeal. Um, <laughs> and uh, Neo somehow through this process emerges, you know, like the butterfly from the cocoon. And when those agents fire at him, he is able to dodge the bullets somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because he's he's been able to grow through everything else that has happened up to this point and become who he is supposed to be. So stage nine is the reward. That's the enemy is defeated. Overcoming their greatest personal fear, the hero is transformed into a new state. So the reward can be any number of things. It can be an object of great power, a secret, greater knowledge or insight. Or like Neo, it can be that he is finally coming to terms with the fact that he is the one. He is the savior of humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, But the celebration must be put aside as the journey home begins. Mm. This is like we were talking about. This is when Neo gains confidence in his abilities um, and wonders if he's truly the one. So he's you know coming to terms in this moment. And the road back um, is the stage. It's sort of an echo to the adventure, like the, the call to adventure. So it's a, almost sort of like a bookend mm. sort of thing where the hero must now return home with his reward. But the journey is not over. And the hero still has one last push. Um, And this always surprised me because I always felt that after the ordeal, um, a story is kind of on the downhill from that point. You know, like Mm -hmm. this is we're going through to the end. But that's actually it's more like when you're playing video games and there is, you know, the smaller boss you know or the smaller like minions before you get to the big boss at the end yes you know like you have these smaller battles and then there's this enormous battle right at the end Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of the same concept for this where you know we still have this moment where the hero chooses between their own personal objective and that of the higher cause Mm. so in the matrix this is when cypher manages to exit the matrix first And he betrays everybody and kills everybody in the crew. And then Neo is just stuck in the Matrix. Cypher is about to kill everyone. But then Tank, whom I love, somehow survives and kills Cypher. And um, the ship is under attack. And it's a whole situation. But he realizes he's powerful enough to fight Agent Smith, who has been this protagonist the entire, or the antagonist the entire story. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he's finally strong enough to do this. And um, he does fail to kill him. But he is able to at least engage in that in that fight. Stage 11 is the resurrection. This is actually the climax of the story. Um, So it's not the ordeal. The ordeal is kind of again, it's like that little appetizer. (laughs) <laughs> you know, um, and that just really surprised me the first time that I was reading through the hero's journey, because every story that I had written, it's kind of like I was reaching, reaching, reaching up to this point, mm-hmm. just one singular point, And then there was the downhill. But a good story has more than that. 
it has that extra little bit. So, and in this case, it's an actual resurrection because <laughs> Neo is in the matrix and is shot and, you know, has this whole thing. And Trinity whispers to him in the real world how to get out of the matrix and, you know, all of that. And it's, it is actually a love story for anyone who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Here we are on romancing the story. story. Yes. And the matrix is a love story. It is. Yes. Because Trinity gives Neo a big old smooch and it brings him back to life. He now has the power to take on anything, including Agent Smith. He's capable of anything now yeah. in the matrix. And so he is finally able to defeat Agent Smith. And it's huge. Um, so then stage, stage 12, which is the last one, is the return with the elixir. So this is the final stage of the journey. Mm-hmm. And this is when he's actually, uh, the hero is actually returning to the ordinary world. Mm-hmm. So this is, we're going back to what was familiar in the very first part of this journey. Um, but of course, everything has changed. In the return in the Matrix, the call is made and Neo is able to get out. At the very end, we see Neo is back in the Matrix and uh, there's great music playing. And then all of a sudden we see him like soar up into the sky and it's like, wow, okay, he really is capable of anything now. Yes. Um, And that's the end of the movie. And so uh, this um, journey is going to be in almost any movie or book or story that you see the the initial research that was done was on you know folklore and um fables and you know those kind of things and it it just carries forward because it's the way that you tell a good story mm-hmm. for anybody that's not familiar with this you can go onto youtube and just google the hero's journey and it <laughs> You'll find so many different things. Full disclosure, this breakdown of the matrix was not mine. I got that from a website, which I can give you. There's just so many different examples of this storyline. And I loved the idea of comparing the hero's journey to the fool's journey in tarot. And so for anyone that's not familiar with the fool's journey, the the deck kind of starts out with the first card in the major arcana, the fool. and It's basically like just this naive, um, you know, almost childlike figure who has so much to learn, but has energy and ambition and excitement for the future. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's kind of where that journey starts. I hadn't been able to find a great example of just a very succinct rundown of the fool's journey. So I did write a poem. So yes, I did go ahead and write a poem because I was struggling to find um, a succinct description of each card in the fool's journey. Um, So I'll go ahead and share that. And um, so this is just, I just called it tarot poem. (laughs) Pretty straightforward. So the fool is young, absent-minded and fresh, no decisions yet made, Innocence and hope and mesh. The magician, he meets and learns of his gifts. Take action he must as his self-awareness lifts. The high priestess reminds him of his potential, that finding comfort in the unknown is essential. 
the Empress warm and loving as she nourishes, Mother Earth rejoicing as he flourishes, the Emperor. Father Time provides structure and rules. He teaches the fool how to use these as tools. The Hierophant is a professor that believes in tradition, speaks of culture, conformity, beliefs, and education. The lovers demonstrate life outside our own belief and that relationships fill us with love as well as grief. In the chariot, he rides tall and strong. He's learned so much that he could never be wrong, but soon life reveals itself, leaving many a scar. He calls on strength and courage when things get hard. The hermit reminds him to look deep within for the answers he seeks, for where to once again begin. The wheel of fortune is a turning point of growth. He realizes his destiny, his purpose, and renews his oath. Justice requires responsibility, reminds that effect and cause require honesty and demand respect. The hanged man is none but himself, tied his own ankle to see differently, and his thoughts do begin to untangle. Death is greeted as a friend when you're as thankful for endings as for beginnings, but transition is never tranquil. Temperance finds balance in chaos, shelter from the storm. Health and well-being could be the new norm. But the devil appears and fills his head with dread, reminding him of the ignorance and hopelessness in his head. The tower begins to crumble as the fool finds release. Like a rotten arm cut off, the fool finds peace. Ahead, he sees the star and feels its calm. The soft, inspiring light is to his soul a balm. But what is this in the shadow of the moon? Illusions of fear threaten his vast and creative tune. But the sun shines again and enlightens his days. Vibrant assurance, brilliant and joyous rays. He faces judgment with knowledge and hope. With his higher self present, he knows the full scope. And he meets the world, a complete and whole being. Only he is wise enough to know this is just the beginning. Ta-da! Very <laughs> nice. I love it. Oh, why, thank you. So that is just, of course, the major arcana. Um, for the minor arcana, anyone who's not already familiar, cups um, represent uh, feelings, emotion, intuition, creativity. Um, so those cards are often going to be about relationships or emotional connection with yourself and others. Mm -hmm. Pentacles uh, represent your finances, work, and material possessions. So those are often about career and financial wealth. Swords represent your thoughts, words, and actions, often about communicating your ideas, making decisions, and asserting your power. And wands 
represent your energy, motivation, and passion. So those are often about life purpose, spirituality, and new ideas. Um, so each of those uh, suits also follow the um, trajectory of the fool's journey. Okay. So like uh, the ace in each of those suits is the fool, but just oh. with that kind of spin uh, that we were just talking about with each of the different suits. So it's really interesting. There's, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. Um, I mean, if, if someone wants me to include all of the cards in their, uh, tarot for writers, I'm happy to do so, but sometimes it's easier for people to just include, um, the major arcana. Oh, okay. Yes. So for today we'll, we'll just do the major arcana. Okay. Um, because they are the most straightforward, you know, uh, it's, the other cards kind of bring in additional complexity, which is, I do, I do normally include them in the readings for, um, Daryl for writers. So, uh, and of course, normally I would, um, have people fill out a form to kind of tell me a little bit more about their work in progress. Okay. Um, to tell me if, you know, we are going to be doing a, um, if it's going to be character development, or if it's going to be plot structure, you know, things like that. Um, location, if that's what we're trying to figure out. Okay. So there's there's a whole bunch of different things that we can do. But because this is going to be more specifically, did you say you had a character that you wanted to work with? Yes. So um, then, you know, normally I would say, tell me a little bit about the story. Um, tell me a little bit about the character. But mm-hmm. however much information you, you know, have prepared is just fine. Like whatever you can do off your head, off the top of your head. <laughs> so I was going for a Christmas story, like a Christmas, like, uh, I hope to have out during around Christmas time. Very cool. But we will see, like, hopefully fingers crossed. Yes. But I am at a crossroads cause I'm kind of not sure where to go with the story. Love it. Okay. So it is a woman who is on a business trip Mm-hmm. And she meets a gentleman, of course. They're yes. on, on this, this business trip. Mm-hmm. There's a mix-up, of course. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they get stuck in an Airbnb together. Of course. One bed trope. Mm-hmm. Holidays snowed in. Obviously. So, yes. obviously, that's the whole, like... Uh, I love that trope. Let's be serious. I, it's one of my favorites. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so good. So, of course, you know, there's the sexual tension there. There's mm-hmm. all that. But I'm just kind of not sure where I'm going with like I know where obviously we want to go yeah right we we end up you know and the woman ends up accepting herself she is a plus size lady who has Mm -hmm. been rejected yes so and she had a long-standing relationship but it just didn't go anywhere and she wanted more out of it and she kind of had to grow in confidence in herself too, mm-hmm. because from that point, from when she'd been in the relationship to now, she'd gained weight mm-hmm. and they, you know, and there it caused tensions in the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So she has now kind of grown to accept herself. She has been like, you know, I'm beautiful the way I am Absolutely. inside and out. Uh, the hero loves her for Aww. it. Just absolutely adores yes. her. And so they, end up like actually being emotionally vulnerable. It's that innermost cave you kind of kinda talked about. They they yeah. do have that emotional moment, you know, but I'm kind of not sure how to get there between like the being snowed in part to 
this very vulnerable moment? Yeah. So what we could do, there's a couple different things we can do. Um, we could actually do a couple reading for them. Ooh, if you'd okay. Like. Yes. yes. So um, what this would look like in a traditional reading, like if I were doing this for a client, um, <clears throat> what I would do is draw a card for the client, uh, a card for their partner, and then a card for their relationship. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of explore that a little bit further. Um, so we can do the same thing with your characters if you'd like. Yes, absolutely. Great. Um, okay, so uh, what are their names? Nick and Catherine. Catherine and Nick. Okay. Uh-huh. All right. So Catherine and Nick. Let's see what we got going on here. Uh, would you like to cut the deck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Since I talk about it in my book. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Not a necessity. You know, nobody has to. So we're going to pull for Catherine first. Oh, oh wow. Starting off strong. I know. Oh, my God. Real strong. Ooh. And then uh, we'll pull for Nick. Interesting. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of their relationship. Yeah. And then we'll pull for the two of them together. Hmm. Interesting. For the initial poll, Catherine received the death card. Nick received the temperance card and their relationship received the emperor card. So it looks like uh, initially what I get from this reading is Catherine is in the midst of a transition. Death is always a very scary card. People don't like getting death or the devil. But those two things are are not. They are as frightening as you make them. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that I read tarot it's it's very much death is a transition, you know, and it does sound from what you were explaining that Catherine is going through a transition. She is. She is really coming into herself. She mm-hmm. is um, gaining confidence. Yes. Uh, she's exploring maybe some new sides of herself that she's never explored before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe she's a little uncomfortable with some of that, you know, like transitions are hard. And um, so there's definitely some of that that's coming in to this. Um, it seems like Nick is a place of stability mm-hmm. for Catherine. Um, you know, temperance is all about finding the stability, um, finding the calm in the storm, like from the poem. And um, it's it's basically saying that, you know, Nick could be a very healthy partner mm-hmm. for Catherine, uh, it seems. And then um, the emperor is this final card here. And um, so that is interesting. It's kind of, a, you know, you think about the masculine with this card. Mm-hmm. So it's very structured, very uh, rules-based, but being able, learning how to use those things as tools in your life. So kind of making things actionable. So it's kind of like, uh, it seems like to me for both of them, this relationship is maybe there is some struggle with action. Mm. Maybe they are feeling a little stuck. Um, There seems to be I, I think I do get that they're they're also just learning from each other. Um, and I think that 
maybe we could pull an additional card for Nick mm-hmm. to see what it is that he's learning. Um, and maybe, maybe we could pull an additional card for Catherine, for Nick and for their relationship to see what they are learning. Yeah. Cause I, I like that you mentioned that because I know what Catherine's learning. Obviously we talked about it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned about the confidence mm-hmm. and you're right. I don't think I know what Nick is growing mm-hmm. from at the moment. I know what she is, Yeah, but I, I'm not quite sure where Nick is in this. Yeah. So let's, let's take a deeper look. We can um, look at, that's so interesting because I initially, when we pulled the emperor, it resonated as the Hierophant in my head. So I, (laughs) I kind of was thinking the Hierophant was going to be coming out because that it's all about learning. Okay. Um, So that's, and that's interesting. It's with Catherine because we already kind of know what she's learning. Yes. Um, so man, I feel like Nick just has the sun shining out of his butt. Like that is, is he just like a really good guy? Yeah. He's just like, he's a, just a marshmallow. Yeah. Basically he, yeah, he's a cinnamon bowl. Cinnamon bowl. <laughs> cinnamon, sorry. He is a cinnamon bun, like hero all the way. Yeah. Um, that is definitely what I'm getting. And I think that that might be his weakness. Ah, okay. I think he he leans into it a little bit too hard. And uh, maybe there's some issue with um, lack of backbone, perhaps. For the additional poll, Catherine received the Hierophant, Nick received the Sun, and their relationship received the Tower. I can see that. Um, Because it seems like there's just a lot of brightness uh, Maybe it's something where, you know, through talking with Catherine, he learns a little bit more about his own darkness because she's struggling so much and coming into her own um, where, you know, not only her um, appearance is concerned, but, you know, her own how she is in the world, you know, like how she if whether she's comfortable with her sexuality, whether she's comfortable with, you know, just the way that she purports herself. Yeah. Um, and as they talk about those things, maybe that kind of brings something up for Nick where he's like, man, I, I wonder what, uh, maybe he starts to realize that there are things he's not facing, Mm -hmm. you know, because I know for myself, um, that was a realization I had that like, you can be a very sunshiny person, uh, because you are pushing, things down that need to be addressed. Yeah. You know, um, and what it seems to me, because we pulled the tower here last, and that is something very painful. Um, So there's something for the two of them that's going to make the relationship fall apart. Not necessarily the relationship, but there's, there's something that threatens to make the relationship fall apart um, around this topic. Uh, so as they're learning from each other, maybe this is interesting. And this is just kind of riffing what I'm seeing from the reading and feeling to mention is that there could be some growth on um, maybe Catherine wants to see growth in Nick but he doesn't feel like he needs to. He doesn't see where that could be mm-hmm. necessary. Um, and that could definitely be something 
that could add a little complexity, some depth to Nick is that he doesn't feel like he needs to grow. He doesn't feel that, um, you know, he's happy. He doesn't want to question. He doesn't want to look deeper because he's already in a good place. Yeah. You know, Um, which is, I mean, that's part of growth and part of working through things is like you go deep and sometimes you realize things and acknowledge things. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss, Mm -hmm. but it's not real. You know, Mm -hmm. when it's when it's blissful ignorance, it's not actual bliss. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the, I think that's where I was struggling a little bit because he's very surface level, Mm -hmm. like at least for now, because he's, that's how he's dealing with things. Yes, there is reference. I make reference that he was a veteran. Okay. Um, He doesn't like to talk about it or anything like that. And he doesn't really, you know, he, but he lives life basically, you know, like you said, sun shining out of his butt, just very, yes. almost the point where I, I do make reference where Catherine calls him flippant. I think that'd be a great way to work in that vulnerability is when they have this yeah. kind of head to head moment where mm-hmm. he has to confront some of that flippancy. So maybe, um, it does seem through this reading that we have, uh, it seems like Catherine is a pretty well-established character. She is. Nick is really the one that we want to know more information about. Yes. So I'm going to say, let's clean this and then uh, clear this. And we'll do a, what do we, what does he want? What does he need for mm-hmm. Nick? Okay. Um, Cause I think that could add some, we could also pull a, we could do a, what does he want? What does he need? And a, um, strength and weakness okay for him fabulous um if that would be helpful yeah nick's nick's an amazing guy but like i said it was i think he was too perfect yeah i needed to find his flaw yes i totally get that you know i feel like um even in the class that i did the people that need that want help with their characters they they usually have a good handle on their main character their protagonist yes but it's like the the person that they need help with is either the villain because villains it's ch- challenging to make someone complex it you is. know because the it's it's important to remember that that person thinks that what they're doing is best mm-hmm. thinks that what they're doing is right yes um and so but remembering that good people do bad things bad people do good things is complex and it's really hard especially with fictional characters when you're crafting the good people and the bad people and, exactly. you know, all of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I, this totally makes sense that Catherine is, is pretty well sorted and Nick is the one that we're, we're learning about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what does he want? What does he need? Oh, oh goodness. Oh, my goodness. And a strength and a weakness. Very interesting. So for the pull on Nick's cards, what does he want is the high priestess. What does he need is the devil. What is his strength is justice. And what is his weakness is the lovers. This is so cool. I love this pull. Um, there, there are sometimes when uh, I'm doing a reading for a client and it's just cards that I've never seen pulled together before. Oh, um, And I, I just, I always really love when that happens. Like the, the high priestess opposite the devil is very fun to me. 
Um, so what does he want? He wants to be understood. He wants to understand. He wants to um, be comfortable with the unknown. Mm. Um, but he's not. And that's what we see in the devil. You know, we, we talked about earlier death and the devil. People never want to get those cards. Right. <laughs> but the devil is really the devil in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it's taking a look at what within yourself is holding you back. It's kind of like shadow work type of thing. So um, so there's something that, you know, maybe looking at it opposite the high priestess, maybe what he is afraid of is the unknown. Maybe he um, is so addicted to the familiar that he can't, uh, he kind of can't move out of that, you know? He's, he's like a little stuck there. So um, let's see if we learn a little bit more with his uh, strength and weakness too. So strength is justice. So justice is, of course, about um, honesty and integrity and all of those kind of things. So mm-hmm. that's, that's his strength. Uh, and that seems like it makes sense. Um, yeah, he's a pretty fair guy. Mm-hmm. He's very fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, his weakness being the lovers is very interesting. Mm. Um, it seems like he's got some walls up, yes. um, which is another reason that sometimes people, and this isn't to say that people that have the sun shining out their ass, you know, that that can come from a healthy place, but it can also come from an unhealthy place. Well, and I think it's his, like you said, it's his way of like control. It's his way of like keeping people at arms. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that uh, very specifically, the the thing that makes him a good partner is also the thing that is challenging for him Mm. because he wants to focus so much on Catherine. He's so engaged and, you know, deeply moved by what she's going through and what she's experiencing. Um, But he's also... That, that engaged and that moved because he's intentionally not looking at himself, mm. you know, like he is, he is focused on Catherine um, to the detriment of himself. Mm. It seems. That makes sense. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm interested to pull up a little bit more about the devil here. So for anyone uh, that, you know, wants to learn more about tarot, Biddy Tarot, B-I-D-D-Y Tarot.com is a, a really fantastic site um, that can give you a little bit more information into what it is your descriptions are. So even after I give a reading, I will often direct a person, you know, they'll take a picture of the reading and then I'll direct them to Biddy Tarot if they want to do a little bit deeper dive into what the the card meanings are. Because sometimes they'll find something even more complex in those readings than I was able to provide them. Yeah. For uh, this card for the devil. Um, and I think I've, I have mentioned before, um, maybe I didn't in this session, but, um, I don't read reversals of the cards. I kind of read them as one thing Ah. because 
things that happen are not good or bad. You know, they're, they're, they are just what happens. And so I don't really separate them. I kind of read them as all one thing okay. and use the rest of the cards around to decide which direction that's going. So um, an upright devil card talks about the shadow self, attachment, addiction, mm -hmm. restriction, and sexuality. Reversed, so if this card were upside down, what that would mean is releasing limiting beliefs, exploring dark thoughts, and detachment. Um, so if we kind of look at those two things, those two descriptions together, what we see is there's some issue with attachment. It seems like the way that Catherine is learning to love herself um, is something that maybe Nick is struggling with as well. Um, and he is kind of detached from that in a way that uh, he's able to acknowledge it and appreciate it in Catherine, but he can't even look at it in himself at this point in time. And that could be something where he grows over the course of the story. Um, because it's, it's something where he wants to be understood. He wants to have someone, he wants to let someone in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's also the lovers being his weakness, I think is that speaks again to that attachment. Um, so you could even look into some attachment theory if you wanted to. Um, you could even fill out some of those. I, I love filling out uh, personality quizzes and stuff for my characters. Yes. So answering it as yes. if you are them. So you could kind of do a um, like attachment theory uh, quiz to see what his attachment style is. And maybe he's avoidant. You know, mm -hmm. and so he engages with Catherine and he wants to. But as soon as like there's any emotion involved, he backs away mm -hmm. or or any emotion that's directed at him. I like how you bring that up there, because I I feel like now I kind of have a bit better picture mm -hmm. about what they both want, because she wants to accept herself as whole, like as a whole person, like everything about herself. And maybe that's his same struggle is he accepts because he's very aesthetically good but he's trying to learn to come to grips with the emotional absolutely part of himself as well yes all aspects of it definitely sun shining out his butt and those dark thoughts mm -hmm. yeah so that's it's actually it's interesting because um the devil description talks about this card being a balance between good and evil male and female human and animal kind of a scapegoat situation it is a goat. <laughs> it's a devil's scapegoat, guys. Yes, it's, he's, he's a scapegoat. <laughs> but I could see that. I could definitely see that uh, 100%. Because it is. It, it is, like you said, it was kind of that barrier. Mm -hmm. It is kind of very much that out of, like, I'm just keeping everything very surface level. I like Catherine. She's gorgeous. I want to be with her. And she's, I just want to have a good time. But then he gets, he's, Resisting the emotional pull there, the emotional investment. Yes. So, but that's what she's in for, or that's what she would want. Yeah. And she yeah. draws that out of him and he's scared of it. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that could even, mm -hmm. I mean, I think it scares him enough. It's, it'll probably push him away from her. I, I think it will. And, and yeah. that I think is what I was trying to figure out. Cause I know that there is, cause I've written the scenes after that mm -hmm. where there is this basically 
separation mm-hmm. and then they come back together because there is of course yes a romance yes but but he i was trying to understand where is his mindset here mm-hmm. where why was he doing this why why is he struggling with this what is his struggle like you said like what he mm-hmm. wants what he needs in this moment so this is a even more interesting, I'll, I'll read you really quick from Biddy Tarot. Uh-huh. Um, the Upright Devil. Um, this card represents your shadow or darker side and mm. the negative forces that constrain you and hold you back from being the best version of yourself. You may be in the effect of negative habits, dependencies, behaviors, thought patterns, relationships, and addictions. You have found yourself trapped between the short-term pleasure you receive and the long-term pain you experience. Just as the lover's card, which we also see in this reading, speaks to duality and choice, so too does the devil. However, with the devil, you are choosing uh, the path of instant gratification, even if it is at the expense of your long-term well-being. Um, So I just thought that that was interesting that we see... Uh, the devil and the lovers appear in here, and it just so happens that in this description, they are talking about the devil and the lovers. Well, I didn't even notice. Like, on in the Rider-Waite uh, tarot deck, the way it's drawn, mm-hmm. they're the same couple. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's like this, both sitting on a throne, <gasps> there's like, you know, the pillars, yes. everything is like very um, structured, so like what he wants and his strengths, it makes sense that those things would be similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what he needs and what his weaknesses are also seems very similar. Because you can also see like this is, uh, and there are multiple ways of interpreting these cards, mm-hmm. um, especially for writing. Um, you can look at the images and just go by what's on the card itself. So if we wanted to look at these that way as well, you can see, you know, like we talked about the two pillars, you know, people on a a pedestal or throne of some sort. Um, And then you can also see over here, there is this uh, like authority figure and then two people down Mm -hmm. here. And in, in the devil, we see them kind of chained to one another And it's like, they don't want to be there. They are chained to this devil. And this card though, in uh, it's, it shows kind of this possible growth for Nick, you know, um, where they have been released. They are here because they want to be, they are, you know, in the sunlight together. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's this figure above them. uh, That's like this holy angel, like angelic type of, Thing that's happening, mm-hmm. um, which is very different. Uh, it's it's almost two sides of the same coin. That's what I was thinking too. It's yeah. like one's the dark, one's the light, mm-hmm. but they're the mirror images of each other. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's two sides same coin, like you were saying. Great. Was there an extra card we wanted to pull? <laughs> so I just kind of <laughs> I felt like I wanted to throw one more Ooh. down over here to kind of talk about like what it is that gets him to that decision, Mm -hmm. like what it is that forces him. And I think it's that, so the moon talks about a lot of illusion. Mm -hmm. And um, so it it could be him kind of facing some of the disillusionment, some of the things that he has carefully crafted to, you know, mask 
his pain. Yes. That he's experiencing. Yes. So, I mean, you had already said that. So that's why I wasn't good. We didn't have to throw it down, but. <laughs> yes. So that, that yeah. card was the moon, obviously. So, but it very much is, it is a mask mm-hmm. and that's what he's doing. He's just kind of trying to be, like I said, keep everything very surface level because yes. he's wearing a mask and it, mm-hmm. his emotions run very deep. Yes. Oh, I love this. This was super fun. I know. And it was perfect. It's just what I needed. It's so fun. I love it. Well, and I I just, um, it's a really fun experience to, it it does also take some of the pressure off when we are just doing a reading uh, for a character in a book, a fictionalized character. Mm, Um, Because there's always the possibility, this isn't like a traditional reading where if it doesn't resonate, um, we're just kind of done, you know, mm-hmm. like in the, in these situations, if you feel like the cards aren't reflecting your character, we can clear and do another drawing mm-hmm. um, until you feel like it's, it's going in the direction that you feel your character resonates with. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a lot of fun to do these readings. Even I like doing all of them. Mm-hmm. I like doing all the readings, but reading for writers is especially fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's always very interesting, right? Yes, it is. Thank you so much for sharing your amazing talents with me today and uh, helping me get through some of that writer's block now that I have all this, I have a lot more to get back to as far as my story. Oh, I'm so excited. And I can't wait to hear more about Nick and Catherine and see where they end up. Yeah, where they go, right? I know, I know. Besides sleeping in the same bed. Obviously. So where can writers find you and connect? Yes. Um, so I have, uh, you know, if anyone's interested in my book, um, Before I Sleep, Poetry, Prose and Peculiarity, um, which does have a tarot reading in it, um, like we talked about, that is available um, through like Barnes and Noble, things like that. It's also some of my other writing is at um, www.ljkeys.com. Uh, I am on both Twitter and Instagram at LJ and the keys. And um, if you're looking for tarot specifically, uh, the keys to the soul.com is where you can find me. Thanks so much to LJ keys for returning to the show. Please enjoy the small excerpt from her book before I sleep poetry, prose and peculiarity. Links to LJ's book and ways to follow her journey are in the episode description. Before I leave you to listen to a little bit of poetry, as always, stay safe, be well, and keep writing. Bye! She places the deck before me and I cut it. She puts the halves back together and draws a card. My throat goes dry. Death. Have another sip, says the woman, pushing my tea toward me. I do as I'm told, but I'm too distracted to notice any calming effects. She places her hand on the card. Death is but a transition, a transformation. The death card comes with a lot of misconceptions. Maybe think more about it as the death of something less literal. What has changed in your life? Everything, always, I say, and then add, nothing, ever. I take another sip of tea. She continues, 
Well, I think you're here because change is coming. You're in the cocoon, holding the walls tight to your body. You're going to have to come out of there at some point. I cross my arms over my chest. The woman clicks her tongue and places her hand back on the tarot deck. She draws the strength card, also reversed. To my surprise, she lets out a high-pitched squeak before saying, This is one of my favorites. You gotta train your lions. A nudge at my elbow. Before I can cower, a large pink bristled tongue scrapes the full length of my face, leaving a trail of moisture. I nearly fall as I struggle out of my chair. The big cat does not follow me, but instead makes its way to the old woman. She opens her arms as it approaches, and it snuggles into her chest. I hear a low rumble. Lions don't purr. They can't. But their sighs seem to harmonize as she whispers to him. I look around for any idea of what to do. My hands are shaking again, and I feel sweat on my forehead. Soon, the lion departs, taking the same path the little girl had taken up to the house. As soon as it's out of sight, I gawk at the woman, my face incredulous. My lions are tame, she replies. Last one, she says as she places her hand back on the deck. She draws the high priestess, also reversed. One word, intuition, says the old woman. I am quiet and I don't meet the old woman's gaze. You think avoiding my eyes will keep you from owning your gift? I don't need to draw this out of you. It's already there, bubbling below the surface, ready to shoot out of your fingertips. You wouldn't feel this way if you didn't already know it was there, she says. I feel things, sure, but how am I supposed to know what I should be feeling? What does supposed to mean, she asks. How do I know what's real, I ask. Does it matter, she asks. I roll my eyes again. Does it? She repeats, doubling down. Um, yeah, kind of, I say. My eyebrows rise to meet the mockery in my voice. Why? She asks. I close my eyes and take a deep breath. They're all upside down. Does that mean something? I ask. Yes and no, she says. The reading still suggests that a change is coming. You have some lions to tame, and you need to learn to trust yourself. The reversal means you're struggling to let go of something. Your lions need attention, and, well, the last one stays the same. We're never done learning about intuition. So, I'm a mess. Yeah, I know. What's new? I feel something building in my chest that reminds me of high school. What is this? What are you feeling? She asks. I've gone through all of this to be yelled at, I ask. You might not have known how hard it would be, but here are your guidelines, she gestures to the three-card spread. And how am I supposed to accomplish those things, I ask. She furrows her brow. What do you mean? I don't know how to do all that. I don't understand any of this, I say, feeling my heart flutter with a palpitation. 
All you need to do is stand up and walk around the table, she says standing. It's not that easy, I say. She smiles before shooing me out of my seat and into hers. She sits across from me and moves our teacups so they follow us to our new seats. Are they reversed now, she asks. Well, no, but now they're reversed for you, I say. I have been around this table too many times to count, she says. I don't mind it. Sitting too long, looking in one direction can get stagnant. We don't grow if we stay in small pots, she says, motioning to the seedlings next to me. So how do you get back to this side? I ask. She chuckles again. Sometimes you must fight and learn and heal. Sometimes the awareness is all you need, she says. We sit in silence again. Let's walk, says the old woman. Where? I ask. In the garden, she says, rising and walking away from me.